Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. A lot of times we talk about the media's depiction, traditional media's depiction of Orthodox Jews, and we kind of critique it afterwards, or we put out sort of our version of what our lives look like. Sometimes we talk to people that work in traditional media, um, and we talk to the ones that we like the job they're doing, usually. We don't usually talk to people whose jobs uh, we do not like. Uh, but we have with us today um, this photographer named Justin Bettman. Um, he's worked on a lot of really cool things. His clients include Adweek, American Express, Atlantic Records, Billboard Magazine, Capitol Records. Um, he's taken some pictures for some pretty big outlets before. Um, he is also Jewish, and he put out a project recently uh, with Hasidic Jewish men that I was seeing shared all over the internet, all over social media. And I was so curious to hear his story, hear how this got started. Um, so Justin, Justin, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So um, kind of let us know um, what's your background Jewishly, what's your interaction or sort of knowledge of uh, the Orthodox community? Yeah, I grew up in Silicon Valley. Um, both my parents were Jewish and yeah, I was raised in a reform community. So um, that was kind of my understanding of Judaism. I was grew up in an area that wasn't super Jewish. So there were a couple other kids in my grade um, at public school, but I didn't know a ton of Jews outside of the people that I knew from my synagogue. Um, and I think maybe my first like real exposure to Hasidic Jews was I went to Israel when I was 16 on a, the trip through my high school or through my synagogue. And, and saw people from afar, didn't interact too much with, with a lot of the Hasidic Jews I saw in Jerusalem and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I moved to New York, I saw them all the time. Uh, I lived in Williamsburg. And so it's kind of an interesting intersection of these hipster, young urban Americans, and then the Hasidic community there. And my experience for the most part was that they kind of seemed to keep to themselves and the, the hipsters kept to themselves. Um, and, you know, maybe you'd interact. I, my first landlord was Hasidic Jewish um, company and and the management company had like a Hasidic lady. And so that was kind of a little bit of exposure to it. But I was just kind of curious. I feel like I would always see the Hasidic community and didn't interact with them a ton and kind of wanted to bridge that gap and understand a little bit about what my preconceived notions were accurate and which of them were, were not true. And um, for me, photography is kind of a great way to get a peek into a community and spend quality time with people to really understand them. You know, I love um, sort of the nature of this project. First of all, just the intention behind it to build bridges to, you know, sort of get to know them up close, because I think too often, well, first of all, I just want to say that my um, background is very similar to yours, um, but New Jersey, not Silicon Valley, although my husband did grow up there, um, conservative, not reform. And yeah, saw them in New York and Israel. And also notice kept, you know, kept to themselves, never interacted. I sort of knew that we we're both Jewish and there's kind of something that unites us and also felt, um, I mean, I'll say it, sort of negativity. They sort of seem like backwards, um, you know, kind of get with the program, get with modern times. It's possible that I was raised with more judgment than you were in that way. Um, Cause I was proud to be Jewish. And somehow I saw these Jews that were so Jewish were just kind of like, um, I don't know, didn't have that shared humanity or I didn't at least see it at first for many years. And I think what I often see in traditional media um, is either sort of telling the stories of people that have the worst experiences in the community who have left now, who, you know, are, you know, and certainly went through painful things and not to downplay what they went through. But um, 
you know, rarely telling the stories of people that um, are living happy lives, want to stay in the community. So either, you know, sort of the real stories of people that left or sort of the fictionalized stories of what someone in a writer's room imagines Hasidic Jews might be saying if they were to give, you know, the mouths words as opposed to like, hearing them speak. So um, yeah, I just want to say I love the intention of wanting to build bridges and sort of seeing them, um, you know, kind of in their own state, in their own world, and try to understand from that perspective. Um, before we go into sort of how this came about, are there other communities that you've approached in a similar way that you didn't know as much and you kind of did this sort of photojournalistic type of uh, work with them? Yeah, I actually would say that I don't really bring a photojournalistic approach because I feel like that's a little bit more uh, passive and less involved and less, um, I think it's more documenting kind of what you see in a photojournalistic sense. And this was much more of a, a portrait session with a group of people, but yeah. I, Got um, it. Okay, fine. All right. I, so that, I was just throwing out a word that I heard, but that's not so portrait. Okay. So fine. So, so for anyone, including the host who doesn't know, I mean, okay. So a portrait, we know what portraits are. We get family portraits done for, you know, uh, put the family together or like a simple, that sort of a thing photojournalism is on the street where you don't have their permission. Like, can you just give us a little like um, explanation of sort of how portraits, how a portrait, um, I guess, session or project differs from, um, you know, a, a photojournalistic or there are other options or not, did you know you wanted to do portraits, portraits versus uh, photojournalism, like starting off? Yeah, I think that, and I guess this is all just my understanding of what those words mean. And it could mean different things to other photographers or different people, but to me, photojournalism is observing a group of people, almost like journalism, right? You're like observing people, um, but with doing like a stage portrait, for instance, like if you are a documentarian and you're shooting in Africa or whatever, if you're telling the subject what to do for a photograph, then it's not really documenting what would naturally happen. Mm -hmm. And the portraits that I did, I, I told the subject how to stand, how to look and that sort of thing. And so mm. it wouldn't really be classified as like real life. It is like a, a portrait you're giving direction and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd say just generally speaking with the type of work that I do, I like to have more control over a situation versus documenting something that's naturally existing. Um, so that's something that I wanted to do. And I think that at least from what I've seen, there's a fair amount of photos of Hasidic Jews out there but a lot of them are much more photojournalistic where someone has a camera that's maybe not so obvious or maybe it is and they're walking through south williamsburg or some hasidic community and capturing what they naturally see a kid running on the street people going mm -hmm. to shul that sort of thing and i wanted it to be more of like a a conversation that i have and i mm -hmm. happened to take a picture while i was doing that but um, okay, so in yeah. one, you're almost the, the um, and as I'm understanding now, one is almost like the outsider, kind of like with a secret camera, just sort of documenting what they see without the person's consent. Here, you have a conversation, you're in a room together, and you're engaging them. Um, okay, so I see the difference there. It's much more personal, and it's much more of an interaction that you understand that someone that takes your portrait, um, there's sort of a back and forth. So, um, how did you go about um, finding uh, your these uh, the subjects? Yeah, so I think that a lot of perception, you were saying that a lot of people's stories that they hear about the Hasidic community is either people who had a bad experience and who left or fictionalized views of what people think Hasidic people talk about. I think that from my experience, it was very hard to find a way into the Hasidic community if it wasn't through someone who was already a part of it. And so- yeah. 
I, uh, a friend, someone I knew growing up in high school had become more religious and she knew, um, someone who grew up in, in South Williamsburg in the like Sotmar community there. Mm-hmm. And he actually had somewhat left the community, but still had a lot of the, um, more, and I think he just kind of had a complicated relationship with it, but he was willing to, to be photographed and was pretty open-minded and I photographed him. And then I was like, do you know anyone else? And he's like, not really. I don't have an awesome relationship with, um, some of the people there anymore, but, um, like, thanks for taking my picture and blah, blah. And I had posted that one online and then the project just kind of sat for a while. And then mm-hmm. someone had reached out, I don't know, six months or a year later and said, Hey, I grew up in Borough Park or I still live in Borough Park. Um, like if you, I love the portrait you did. If you're interested in doing any more, I know some people, or I'd be interested. I don't look like a traditional Hasidic Jew maybe, but um, yeah, I would be more than happy for you to take my picture and might know some other people. So I met up with him. I think we talked for a few hours and then he was kind of my, my ticket into a lot of these people. And I think even during the project, a lot of the people I photographed were maybe a little bit more open-minded than some other people in the community who really didn't want to have their picture taken. I think that it's hard for a community to be portrayed positively if you're not willing to have people take your picture or kind of have that discussion. And I think a lot of times they've probably been portrayed negatively, so they don't want to have that discussion. And so it's a complicated situation, right? It's so so complicated. I know like we... Yeah, go for it. No, because we, we, you know, we look to speak to media, reach out to reporters, and then sometimes things come out and it's like, we didn't say that. That wasn't what we meant. And so it's really, I know some people that have felt burned you know, either through talking to reporters and, you know, the message coming out differently than it was intended or just continuous negative depiction. So I like, I understand the fear and the distrust. And I also uh, lament the fact that, um, if we don't keep on trying and look for people that are coming in with, you know, a positive and I think open approach like you do, um, then we'll only be, you know, at the mercy of people um, who are our intent on showing the worst. So um, we'll hit us up next time if you want to connect with uh, with people because we do we have developed a network like that. Um, how would you say, um, you know, doing these portraits of the Hasidic community differed from another group that you've done portraits of what was different about it what was similar any sort of like um themes that you could speak of yeah i guess i haven't done too many like cultural groups or anything like that but i did do a series of portraits on drag queens which i have very little understanding of prior to going into that mm-hmm. um but yeah i think for me it was interesting with the hasidic community growing up as a reformed jew i almost felt less connected to them than I did to friends who were, you know, basically reformed Christians um, or, you know, just not super religious, but did have a religious affiliation. And so it was interesting for me to have some sort of deeper connection that I didn't really expect to have with a lot of these people while still understanding that for me personally, I don't think that's the lifestyle that I'll ultimately choose to, to lead, but it was interesting to kind of have these conversations and I was surprised with at least the people I photographed, how open they were, and also how much of an understanding they seem to have of, you know, traditional secular world um, that I wasn't expecting. I kind of thought, well, they live in their bubble, I live in my bubble, and we don't understand. But I think that, um, especially in, you know, Williamsburg or, 
Borough Park, they're exposed to the secular world. I'm curious. I didn't ever go up to like Curious Joel um, or like Muncie and do anything with a group that was actually I did go to Muncie, but Curious Joel in particular, I feel like would have probably been maybe a different experience. I don't know. So that was I've learned. But I've learned as uh, being Orthodox, but not Hasidic myself, having come from your world and sort of, you know, straddling both worlds is that there is no monolithic Orthodox experience or Hasidic experience. And I think that's, you know, kind of what I feel so frustrated that I see again and again, it's sort of um, the same uh, tropes and stereotypes and kind of uh, one angle of the story as opposed to um, like a broader view. And I would argue that um, it's in that moment of you being surprised. It's in that moment of you seeing the shared humanity um, between you and these people that you thought you had nothing in common with. That's actually sort of um, the place of like delight or the place of inspiration that, you know, when you see their humanity that comes across in the pictures, I saw the pictures, they're beautiful. Um, You can sort of see that joy and you can see there's, you know, the way that you capture them um, as a subject that um, you're not disgusted by or feel like, you know, is so different than you, but, you know, having that bridge there. Um, Where are these pictures living right now? Are they on your website? Will they go anywhere and kind of live in any sort of a show or feature? Yeah, that was probably the number one question people had when I asked to take their picture was like, well, why do you want to take my picture? (laughs) Um, And as an artist, there's not always a clear answer for that. So as of now, they're just living on my website. Um, I think a lot of people were skeptical that I had some like gotcha type of thing where I was going to take these pictures and sell it to some magazine that was going to portray them in a negative light. Um, yeah, someday down the line, maybe I'll do a show. Maybe I'll shoot enough portraits of this that someone would want to do a book. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, as of now, it's kind of a a work in progress and and maybe I'll shoot more. Um, I actually moved out to, to LA, so I haven't done any of the portraits since I moved out here, but um, yeah, who knows what will happen with the project. <laughs> you can find Hasidic Jews there too. Um, yeah. What kind of, what kind of feedback have you gotten since the p- portraits came out from the Orthodox community and from either the secular Jewish or uh, non-Jewish community? I was expecting to like, for sure get some anti-Semitic comments because anytime you post anything on the internet, a lot of the worst people come out of the woodwork, but yes, they do. <laughs> at least from what I saw, I mean, I th- it actually picked up the most traction, I think on LinkedIn, which is very mm-hmm. bizarre to me because that's not where I usually find a creative community. But um, yeah, people were, were super supportive. I think the number one question I got, and I got it in pretty much every place I posted it, it even though people didn't see the comments in different areas was, why didn't I photograph any Hasidic women? <laughs> um, and the answer to that is that I actually did try and I did photograph a couple Hasidic women, um, but a lot of them were not comfortable having their photograph portrayed. And I had actually, it kind of went full circle that the initial management um, company that I lived with when I first moved to New York or that I worked with when I moved to New York um, was a Hasidic woman. And she actually emailed me saying, Hey, I saw that you're looking for Hasidic Jews. Um, I have to ask my husband if he'd be okay with it, but, and then he was not okay with it. So, um, yeah. So anyways, that's kind of the, the long answer for why there were not women published on my site for that part of the project. But I do think it would be an interesting part of the project to, to explore maybe sometime in the future. We also might be able to help you with that. Um, we did a video Hasidic Jews watch Fiddler on the roof for the first time. 
um, with men only. And we also got the question, where are the women? And we tried to get women for that one. And um, they were not so interested. But since then, I have connected with some Hasidic women that were interested in other projects. So um, so we could certainly, uh, you know, connect you with them as well. Um, and I guess, you know, sort of that bridge that you were hoping to build or sort of that, you know, the bubble that you were hoping to maybe burst, um, has it changed how you, I guess, see Hasidic Jews now when you see them on the street, you know, a stranger you haven't met, a stranger whose picture you haven't taken yet, do you approach, you know, that stranger with sort of a different set of expectations or a different association? Yeah, I mean, I think there was so much that I didn't understand or didn't know and I'd say for the vast majority of the information I got, it painted them in a more favorable light. Like I think the sense of community is really admirable and how much people are connected and, and all that. And there were in full transparency, certain things that I was, you know, not ashamed to find out, but was surprised. And so, um, but yeah, I think just understanding someone and having a conversation, I think you have to walk away with more empathy after that. I think the scariest thing about anyone is not understanding or not knowing them and, you know, having certain preconceived notions. So, um, yeah, I feel like walk away with a lot more empathy and understanding, even if you don't agree with certain actions or decisions, I think you start to understand why they make them. And and that gives you a lot of empathy as well. A hundred percent. I'll tell you, like, even, you know, there was a lot of bad press during the pandemic of, uh, you know, again, not all Hasidic Jews, but too many, um, you know, shown in the media, um, kind of uh, flouting uh, COVID rules and, uh, you know, large gatherings. And um, on one hand, that was frustrating to see, you know, these are laws. And the truth is that um, the law of the land is Jewish law. So meaning like if it's uh, illegal to jaywalk, you know, according to uh, American law, then that becomes um you know, prohibited in Jewish law. So, you know, being law abiding citizens and guarding your health are, um, certainly Jewish values. Um, at the same time, um, there's a lot of distrust in a lot of the Hasidic community because of sort of generations of anti-Semitism um, and having sort of non-Jewish governments, you know, do uh, really bad things. And totally. what, I, what I've come to learn is that, you know, when you stay in more than an insular community, the shtetl that, you know, your great, great grandparents and mine left, you know, a few generations ago is further from us because we've had time to mix with a larger world and see that not every non-Jew wants to kill us. And, you know, there's good things about society. And I think um, for the people that have stayed more insular, the memory of the shtetl is a lot closer to them. And so just the distrust of the outside world, including people, you know, fellow Jews outside the community. It's just really, um, I mean, most of the people in the Hasidic community are the descendants of survivors or survivors themselves. And so you have families where maybe there was one lone survivor of like 10 kids, and then each of those people got married, started a family. And, you know, the most resilient ones were able to do tremendous things and rebuild and give over love and healthiness. And, you know, the ones that got the most hurt, unfortunately, um, have the most distrust, you know, had, you know, dysfunctional patterns. Um, and so, again, that doesn't excuse um, not following the rules, but I think for me, sort of understanding the framework of, of how, you know, um, horrible events throughout history um, 
affected the community, um, I think it does help us have more grace when, you know, people um, may not be living up to the, you know, the standards that we hope they would. Um, what about how, you know, because sort of you are a member of traditional media of, you know, larger media and not relying, you know, on social media as we have for, you know, since our uh, founding. Um, do you have any thoughts about, you know, sort of fellow, you know, movie makers, you know, producers, that sort of a thing about, getting to know your subjects. Well, first of all, I guess the question is, have you seen some of these, you know, orthodox portrayals in TV shows and movies? Yeah, I watched um, Unorthodox on Netflix. I'm trying to think if there's even anything else. I'd say that's probably the most- My Unorthodox Life. My Unorthodox Life or Unorthodox? Unorthodox, the fictional series on Netflix. Right. Um, And it was interesting because when it came out was while I was pretty deep into this project. And so I was texting and calling- a lot of the subjects and asking them, you know, how accurate did you feel like this was? And at least the feedback that I got was that there's definitely things they got wrong, but as far as how Hasidic Jews have been portrayed historically, that seemed to be a fairly accurate depiction of at least this one person's experience Um, and certain traditions and wardrobe and that sort of thing. It seemed like they, they did get pretty accurate. Right. So in that they were working with someone from the community. So again, um, I think my frustration is the story of like needing to escape again and again. You know, I think by now sure. I find it to be a little bit like, is there anyone that wants to stay? Does everyone hate their life? Or, I mean, you met, you know, you said the first guy that you spoke to is more on the outs, but you met several people that are happy in their lives and are not looking for a ticket to Germany to escape, I assume, right? Totally. Yep. So I guess the question is um, for the, you know, people, you know, producing these bigger, you know, budget mainstream types of things. Um, you know, do you think that is, is there a value in, uh, you know, getting to meet the, the group or, I mean, even honestly, what we're talking about right now is like, have someone in the room, like every other minority wants someone in the room when the story is being written, when the story is being told, whether it's black, Hispanic, you know, um, Asian. And, and I think there seems to be, and I think even your project itself, not Hasidic, but sort of a curiosity because they're your, you know, sort of brethren from afar, I think sort of, not to sound like an anti-Semite, there's a lot of Jews in Hollywood, but there's a lot of Jews in Hollywood. And so it's sort of this weird position of the Orthodox community is very tiny. And yet we're sort of shown again and again in TV shows and movies, I think because of that curiosity that, you know, you feel naturally that I felt naturally, um, you approached it, I think, with sensitivity and, you know, really a a, a positive message of, you know, kind of what can I find? Um, But I think... um, yeah, so I guess I'm sort of it's a very long-winded question, but um, is there a value? If you could speak to sort of fellow people in the media, is there a value? Like why, why sh- you know, might it make sense to do something like you did? Yeah, I think it's just important for any, you know, group of people or race or story to be told. And so, yeah, I think it's important just like every other group of people to to have these stories told as well. I think the difficulty with all these stories like unorthodox and all the uh, people trying to leave the community is that there haven't been a ton of super popular books like in the Western culture of people who are super stoked on Hasidic life and, and portraying that. So I guess if there's Hasidic listeners who, who love, like want to speak to that, I think that I believe they made unorthodox based after a book that was pretty popular. So I feel like if there's more books and if there's a little bit more whatever people feel comfortable sharing and explaining about their life and why they do enjoy it, hopefully that'll change the perception. 
Right. So we've been trying to do that for years now, sort of on the a smaller scale, you know, a micro scale. Um, you know, I, we sort of keep saying Hasidic, Hasidic, and I'm not Hasidic. And, you know, the weird thing is that when I see Hasidic Jews depicted on the screen, I know that it ultimately blows back onto my community as well, because I remember growing up and not being able to really like sort of understand the difference between one Orthodox community or another. I'm not sure if you at this point sort of understand the nuance, but like I could sort of see, well, this one wears this head covering and that one wears that type of yarmulke, but like I couldn't really understand. And so on one hand, someone from my background, you know, I went to Columbia, my husband did as well. He went to Columbia Law School, like we, you know, we're both educated and travel and are integrated into the world. And we are like devoutly religious. And yet we hold space for people that come to different conclusions or live different types of lives. Like the fact that I've never gotten to see anyone like me. And I think part of the problem is that like my garb isn't quite as interesting as the strimals that you photographed. Um, and so I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. It's like, um, even this guy, Peter Santanel, I'm not sure if you've seen his stuff on YouTube. He's gone to the Hasidic community a lot. And I said, Peter, come and meet, you know, the centrist Orthodox community, the right-wing modern Orthodox community. It's like, well, you kind of maybe blend too much. It's kind of part of the problem. And yet um, we keep strictly kosher. I'm wearing a wig. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like we do some really Jewish things. Um, maybe in terms of photography, it's just not like, is there a value in saying this is also Orthodox in terms of photography that like, that, you know, stylish dress or looking attractive could also be orthodox if your idea is sort of um, not looking part of society, not looking, you know, sort of um, Western standards of attractive. Like, is there a space in photography, at least visually, to say will surprise you that this could also be under that umbrella? Totally. Yeah. I think for me, a big part of why initially I was curious or attracted to the Hasidic community was just that it was so blatantly obvious that they to me felt or looked quite different than I did. And it was very easy to spot them. And I think that for my project, part of it was also like, a lot of people capture the strimal from far away, but like who's taking like super close up pictures and like, actually I got to feel it and touch it and wear it and all that stuff. So for me, that was a big part of the, the project. But I think there's certainly value in what you're saying. And the fact that a lot of people don't understand the nuances between the difference of Hasidic and Orthodox. And to be honest, I didn't have a super deep understanding um, prior to doing the project either. I mean, I understood that Orthodox means that you follow religion quite seriously, but other than that, I didn't, and I knew Hasidic people wore certain outfits, but other than that, I didn't really understand the nuances and difference between the two. Well, I'm so grateful that um, you've, you know, you had the curiosity, uh, you came to it with such a positive attitude. Um, you've taken the interest, you've used, in, you're, used your platform to, you know, start this conversation. And um, I hope it inspires more people um, because not everyone, there's a lot of people pointing cameras and pointing devices and taking pictures. Not all of them um, have sort of had your level of success. Um, and so you must be doing something right on a professional level. So um I feel very grateful that you've, you know, taken that success and use it, uh, use that platform to kind of understand part of your community that you didn't understand before. And I think um, in an age of rising anti-Semitism, um, we need to stick together. We need to understand each other better. And even if, you know, we don't all live the same way or, you know, agree with everything um, to, you know, see each other as family, to see each other with humanity um, is so important. So um, thank you for your tremendous work. And um if you need, you know, another group of subjects, women, uh, diverse, um, maybe a book one day, um, let's keep talking because this is definitely the space that we're in. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much and good luck with everything.
Yeah. Thanks so much. And uh, thank you so much for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.